I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Yes or no, did you ever take banned substances to enhance your cycling performance? Yes. I had no prior knowledge of the planned assault on Nancy Kerrigan. I am deeply sorry for my irresponsible and selfish behavior I engaged in. Hey everybody, welcome back to Hoops the Podcast. I'm Julio. Hope you're all doing well. I'm joined by Francis. Francis, how you doing? Yes. I hello. I'm here. Oh. Oh yeah. (laughs) Well, dude, it's official. I now live with my girlfriend. Hey, hey, hey. I'm on your heels. Hey, hey. But dude, it's fucking living with your girlfriend's fire, dude. It's a good time. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see if you're singing the same tune. The honeymoon phase, perhaps. But like it's great. It's great. Dude, it's fantastic. I experienced my first experience of like the dad gets no credit kind of situation Mm -hmm. uh this table arrived and it's a circular table like seats four it's like our kitchen table right and the i like it required assembly and the assembly wasn't too difficult but you know there's sort of the stem where where it stands on and then like a plate that kind of helps to you know maintain the weight or whatever and then there's the top of the table now the top of this fucking table to wrap my arms around it, I have to fully extend my arms as much as I can, right? Yikes. And to lift it, it was heavy. It's stone. So like I almost oh pull, threw out my fucking back, picking this thing up, putting it on top, and then there are these pads there. So you can't just twist it around to line up the holes. I have to physically move the table to line up the holes. So now I'm lying on my back, lifting the table up with my hands and feet. I'm not joking. Feet in the back. To try to line them up, I'm sweating my ass off. It took me like an hour. Easy job for two people. Really hard job for one person. Did you not feel like you could ask Hillary to help you with it? She wasn't there. Oh, she was working from home. We we weren't in the apartment yet. Mm-hmm. I full and I finally do it, and I'm so proud that I just kept talking about it the whole day. She never gave me any credit, mm-hmm. and by the end of the day, I finally brought it up one more time. She goes. Oh God! She's like, okay, we get it. Like you fucking assembled a table. Buddy. Congratulations, buddy. Welcome, welcome to the world of needing to get credit and and prompting her to give it to you. I deserved so much credit for this, dude, and I got none. Dude, I'm telling you, the only credit you're going to get is credit you give yourself out loud. I credit myself out loud all the time. Yesterday, <laughs> you see that I emptied the dishwasher? <laughs> You see that I took the boxes to the recycling? I, I, you know, the bed had been stripped. We were washing the sheets. I made it without her prompting me. Nothing. That's a two-person job. Yeah. I did it by myself. No, you are You are going to find that you have so much pride over the little things that you do to help run this household. And she will do just as many of those things, if not way more, <laughs> and not need any credit. And you are going to want... All the credit. Every little deed needs to be recognized. Dude, I thought I literally thought about recording the process. Because dude, that table, (laughs) A, the table could have easily fallen and snapped in half. B, it could have killed me. Uh And I was like, I'm gonna set up the camera so she can see how fucking crazy this is, and she'll never know, and I'll never get the credit, and it kills me. Just a a home video of you grunting under a round stone table. You know what we should do is we should put some kind of uh a list not a list maybe just put our names up on a board and then write the tasks that we completed that day or the things we did and then she could put like she'll have gold stickers and she'll just put a gold sticker (laughs) next to each one because that's all we would need that's true that means she's read it and she's given us the token good boy she's validated our our commitment it's a dangerous game though because then she if she starts listing her accomplishments yeah it will very quickly overshadow ours yeah that's yeah. a dangerous game yeah she doesn't um you're right maybe we should just let that <laughs> maybe let that be dude speaking of good boy i do this thing and i i was thinking about what what i should call it and i've come up with a term for it i call it cute calling it's like cat calling, but cute calling when you talk to other people's dogs on the street. Oh. Is that weird? Like, I'll literally see a dog and I'll go, hi. And then I, I'll give it the finger wave. Mm-hmm. And Hillary goes, what the fuck are you doing? I'm like, what's, what's wrong with that? Yeah. Do you as a dog owner not like that? 
when your dog gets I, I, cute called? I like it when people say hi to our dog. I do. Right? Because it makes me think that I have something in common with that person. That he's a likable guy. Well, yeah. It's, it's like I fawn over dogs, right? Mm-hmm. And so when I see someone else that does, one, it makes me feel less weird for doing it. Mm-hmm. And it, two, it makes me think that all the people who passed by without needing to say hello we're just cold-hearted dead people <laughs> and that the, the normal people are the ones who need to stop and pat the dog and say hello <laughs> and and then i mean occasionally you'll get to people who like get on the floor with them and then you're like this person is awesome <laughs> this person is, loves dogs as much as i do dude i really love dogs and i'm a unique dog lover in that i've never had one hmm. but i love them i'm comfortable with them i love watching them i love dogs and I have to be honest, and this is not right, but I really am, think it's a bad quality when people dislike dogs. I completely agree. Who the fuck could dislike it? Like, they're like, Ugh. they're like, don't want to touch it, or they're like all scared. Like, I, that's a turn off in a person to me. Totally. I have some of my best friends are like that, and it's fine. It's not like a deal breaker, but it's weird. Yes. I, I, I have said this before, but, um, you know, I, I have friends who are have just either recently become single and we didn't expect them to be single or are single and, you know, are now kind of looking to get serious and, and they, they want that seriousness in their life. Right. And because, you know, our life is now like weddings and everybody lives together. And it's if you're one of the last men standing in the single world, you feel a little left out. Um, I gotta be honest. I don't think I would. Would you? You have a girlfriend. You have like a serious relationship. Or whatever. If you were at a at a wedding and you were single, would you actually feel left out? No, but um, I also probably wouldn't want to be at the wedding. But what about like banging the single chicks, dude? Isn't that that like- is a myth? There's a myth that you will meet single chicks at weddings. It's not true. It's it's hard. There aren't that many people who aren't with somebody at a wedding. Dude, I went to right. some weddings when I was single. And let me tell you something. There were everybody who was there was with their date. Right. Because there we're at a wedding where the the reason you were invited to that wedding is because you're friends with the couple, which means you're probably close to their age. And if they're getting married, it's because they're ready and everybody around them is is of that age, which means they're all close. Right. There aren't, there aren't many single people at weddings. That whole myth of wedding crashers to me, I grew up thinking like, oh, weddings are going to be this right. buffet of single people, <laughs> just like buffet. with with no regard for you know, it, it just be amazing for everybody. And it's fucking bullshit, dude. So, dude, I gotta say, in my experience of going to a wedding stag or whatever and meeting people, I have had good and bad experiences. Like, there's been experiences where I've hooked up with girls and it was awesome. But there's also been that experience where everybody in a couple is trying to like hook you up with the other single girl at the party who you have no interest in. And that is depressing. Yeah. Yeah. They're, you know, (laughs) that's, that is bad. Yeah. Do another, and the other, the third one, (laughs) what, what? I'm just picturing like elderly people, the way that they foist young single people on each other. You know, because there was a period in my life, too, where that happened, where my aunt would be like, I've got this girl for you, and she's so pretty. And and, and women would do that, too, right? Yeah. They'd be like, my friend, I've she's so pretty. And it's like, all right, is she pretty or is she hot? <laughs> That's a very important question that you need to ask the aunt who is trying to set you up. Well, which one do you want it to be? Because, well, here's the thing, right? When an aunt says, I've got the perfect girl for you, she's single, she's pretty, she's blah, 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 she's gorgeous, they're, they know that girl, and they know, you know, their, their, their beauty, inner, their inner beauty, right? Mm. And they're not looking at that young woman from the lens of a, I hate to say it, like, hungry, single male. Yeah, right, right. Right? And let's, let's call it, let's call it like it is. When you, when you first meet somebody, the most important thing is like attraction, mm-hmm. right? So I'm not trying to get set up by my with my aunt 
or sorry, by your aunt. by my aunt with somebody I who whose inner beauty I appreciate. Right. No, for sure. That's why you always have to go into those situations with some healthy suspicion. That's exactly right. And and so often, you know, the the woman that your aunt or the people at the wedding set you up with, you're like, yeah, I get that this person's a nice person, but like you give me too much credit to think that I would be attracted to them. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. You know, I we're at a wedding. Right, right. I'm callous here. Right. You know, I, I'm only able to see what's two feet in front of my face. Mm-hmm. That, whole, that whole thing, it's like, especially I find, let me put it this way. Let's say I knew a single girl, right? And I had a guy friend who was single who wasn't the most attractive guy but had a great personality and sense of humor and i'd known him for many many years but the girl was was attractive and she was my friend i wouldn't i wouldn't tell the girl like i've got the perfect guy for you right you got to give him a chance once you get to know him over the course of a year i'm sure the two of you will really really love each other right i would never set them up that way and you have to always wonder when you're being set up like is the person you're being set up with some kind of desperate person but you weren't you set up with your girlfriend and yeah, but my girlfriend's story. hot. I know, and but the I'm people saying. the people who set us up were like, "I know you, Francis. I know what you like. I know your type. I know everything. They knew everything about me." Right, right. But you, you know, so does maybe your aunt sort of thinks she does too, or something. You aunts know? don't know. Aunts is a different shit. story. But even but there have been times where like friends try to set me up with people, and I'm like insulted. I'm like, really? Yes. You think that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's what I'm saying. And it's it's not necessarily that they're they think that you are in you know that it's not that they're insulting you. It's that they know the other person and they're like, This person's great, you know? Right. And and we know Julio and Julio's great. And if only these two can see that in each other, sparks mm-hmm. will fly. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yo. If I saw this person at a bar, I wouldn't talk to them. Mm -hmm. I hate to be mean, but attraction has to be the first hurdle cleared in in all dating situations. It's like a simple sort of. And granted, you know, you can kind of. There's some kind of first impression that's important, you know? Yeah. Even a person's appearance can grow on you for sure. You know what I mean? It's not like. It, but but like there has to you can't be like I am unattracted to this person. Dude, there's no thing there. At that you point. have to want to bang the person for it to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Right. You cannot be and set up with someone more, who you're yeah. like not that excited to bang. To- yeah, totally. Am I am I am I totally oversimplifying I, this? No, I, dude. Listen, it's a, it's something that is pretty simple. You know what I mean? There's obviously many more layers and things to it that can complicate whatever but of course that is an important factor you know who i think of a lot when i when i think of this situation what um all right so stephen hawking Mm -hmm. right did you see the pursuit whatever the movie was yes i forget what it's called but yeah i did really well with uh eddie redmayne by eddie redmayne Yeah. yeah so his wife met him when he was able bodied before he had Lou Gehrig's disease? Is that what it was? MS? I don't remember what it was. God, I'm so, I'm, this is embarrassing. Another moment on the pod where we fucking blank out. The Theory of Everything is the movie, and Hawkins, Hawking's disease is, is it MS? It's Lou Gehrig's disease, right? Had his wife met him after when he was already disabled and in a wheelchair and not able to speak but for a robotic... Mm-hmm. voice even though he was the world's preeminent scholar physicist. and physicist on quantum physics and, and and particle physics and and whatever the fuck else black holes all of that it wouldn't have worked out between them but dude has isn't he like a womanizer like didn't he hasn't he like gone from through different women or something I, I notoriously think has affairs in the movie he you know he and his wife after years separated and then i think he ended up dating his new nurse or something right i'm not sure but i thought i thought that i remember that he wasn't he wasn't uh true to his wife or something yes yes i think so which means that. that maybe then then their theory perhaps is not true 
Like if he was able to still score checks, if we're going to call it that, after not being able-bodied. I don't. I, that sounds generous. I don't know how many <laughs> women were lining up for Stephen Hawking. 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 Yeah. Oh boy, I fumbled through that. Heavens <laughs> to Betsy. Brain is really shutting down here. DHAA. Don't half-ass anything. Versus Nike's just do it. Let's break it down. Just do it. Are you going to do it? Is that it? Or when you do the thing you're going to do, are you going to not half-ass it? Look, we're not philosophers here, but it doesn't take much to know that if you're going to do the thing, you might as well not half-ass it. Only when you don't half-ass it can you look back on it with a sense of pride, no matter what the outcome is. By not half-assing things that you do, you will get way more out of it, both internally and externally, Francis. Mm. So. If you're about to get some new athletic gear or daily performance clothing, are you going to just pick out any old clothes or are you going to not half-ass it? The answer is clear. Check out our sponsors, DHAA at don'thalfassanything.com and follow them on Instagram as the founders prepare to climb Yosemite's Half Dome, something the founder of Nike definitely wouldn't do. He's probably 80 now, but that's not the point. Don't half-ass anything, people. Go to don'thalfassanything.com, use promo code OOPS15, you'll get 15% off of your order. Of anything on the site. Check it out. But dude, another another interesting wedding thing that can be done is hooking up with a person who has nothing to do with the wedding during a wedding weekend. Like, you know, you do the wedding, you do the after party, and then people decide they're going to go to a bar. It's like an interesting thing to like meet a person at that bar and then end, end up like going home with them. You know, yeah. I don't know if I've been to enough weddings because the bars that I've been to after the wedding is party is over are always a what i would call like a collection area for the the tired wedding guests who don't really want to be out anymore mm-hmm. but feel the need to see it through for the sake of the couple right that whole after party at weddings is is really unnecessary i've found well i like i find a lot of the time the groom and bride aren't even there. Yeah. Yeah. And what are you trying to prove at that point? Right. You want to find some local scrubs in You just find out who at the wedding Vermont? party doesn't have it together anymore. Yeah. Yeah. You need to be out. <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh God. Like apparently he hasn't changed. <laughs> Francis hasn't changed. Oh God. Um, do you have I sorry, what are you saying? Well, you just come from like a, a, a five hour party where every drink was paid for and now all of a sudden you need to go to a a place where you pay for drinks (laughs) how much of a problem do you have you know well dude this is obvious probably but it's funny how every single wedding i do this the first night of the wedding i get too fucked up and then i like can't get as fucked up anymore and also the fact that you're just eating so much the whole time you can have like 18 drinks and like you never get drunk i would like my goal is to like pace myself better on wedding weekends Mm. So you're saying the Friday of the wedding weekend, the, the I get I get I go too get hard at the rehearsal up. dinner or whatever, mm. and then the next day I'm kind of like, Ugh. and then I kind of rest and rally, and then I'm eating or fucking hors d'oeuvres all day and food and whatever, and I never am able to like get to that fun level of fucked up at this again. Mm. That's tricky. Yeah. I don't have any advice for you on that. Pace myself, do yeah. you, apparently you do though. I mean, you did pretty well on these bachelor party weekends. Yes. Something to look towards for inspo, perhaps. Yes. By the way, my therapist, whom I see every every once in a while, not as often as I should, (laughs) is a specialist in uh specializes in um addiction therapy. And she's a psychiatrist, so she's an MD and can prescribe medications. Got it. Um, but I I I just see her through a, a psychology. I don't know why I'm saying all this stuff. The whole point is I asked her out of curiosity, at what point would you say that someone you know has a drinking problem that needs to be addressed? And she had a very clear definition for it. Interesting. And she said it's when someone gets to the point where uh, they can't do the most basic pieces of their day without drinking okay and she said and work is always the last thing to fall so just because a lot of the time people with alcohol problems will point to the fact that their work is still going fine as a reason to say well 
clearly it can't be that bad uh because i'm 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 Still functioning getting my shit I'm, done, I'm getting right. my making money making money that's I'm, the I'm, most dangerous yeah. thing and it, what what it makes you realize is that a lot of the time our jobs aren't that fucking hard <laughs> how many alcoholics do you think there are in the nba not many <laughs> you can't fucking booze all night now i say that joe namath famously you know just a twist one was was getting shit faced the night before games and showing up drunk and, and then crushing it for the jazz well night before is different though yeah you know i don't think lebron or really anybody in the nba i don't think you can play an 82 game season uh and, and tie one on all the time i don't yeah. think i don't think you can right they say that james harden likes to party but even then like you got to imagine that he like isn't doing that every single night i also think that those guys party without drinking very much Interesting. one time did i ever tell you i think i've told you this yeah it could be weed too that's great i mean yeah dude you, i i once went to this place in new york city called the blonde yeah you ever heard of that place yeah, good spot yeah it's cool and I was in there on like a random Wednesday night or a Thursday night, one of those nights where it's like mostly people who think that they're in the industry, whatever the fuck that means. And <laughs> like nightlife people. Yeah, exactly. Just people, everyone's in black. They like hang around. They like know the people who run the places. Yeah, they know them by the fir first name. Get hooked up. They pretend to be friends with them. <laughs> you know, those people. So we're in there. I'm in there with a friend. And, uh, we see Matt Harvey, the pitcher for the former pitcher for the Mets, mm. and he was like a notorious socialite. He was out all the time and got in trouble for it, and written up frequently in the New York Post and what whatnot for for being spotted partying the night before having a bad performance on the mound. And uh, so we see him, and we're like, "Is that Matt Harvey? I think it is." And we go to like kind of get a closer look, and we're like, "Oh yeah, it is Matt Harvey," and. As we confirm that it's Matt Harvey, in walks LeBron James, wow. Kyrie Irving, Richard Jefferson, Tristan Thompson, and the entire Cleveland Cavaliers team who had played the Brooklyn Nets like two hours before. Dude, I like, I've heard about this night. That's hilarious that you were there. It was... <laughs> like, from not from you. Astonishing. It, it took my breath away. First of all, these guys are all six, eight or taller. They're huge, yeah. Okay, so they're towering over everybody. Right. LeBron James is what one of the five most famous people on planet Earth. I mean, his international appeal and stardom is undeniable. It takes your breath away to yeah. see someone of that status yes. in the real world. Yes. You, you can't believe it. And they were all just there. And I remember like, you know, immediately the entire tone of the nightclub changed because it's not a big place. Mm -hmm. And they had this, they set up like a back booth for them. And then they sort of cordoned it off with a red velvet rope. And then they had their own, you know, bodyguard or, or three or four or whatever. But the dance floor was completely adjacent to the, the ropes area and then they would just like grab a couple girls or people and bring them in to like meet them and stuff and so it was very close and I remember just watching LeBron and LeBron was sitting on top of the sort of booth mm -hmm. just looking at his phone the entire time not drinking didn't, at all didn't drink didn't raise his head didn't talk to anyone did not appear to be having any fun whatsoever. So my thought was that either one, he's only doing this on behalf of the team and wants to be there so that, you know, as like a team effort or whatever. Mm -hmm. Or two, he recognizes that being at a, a hip New York nightclub is like an, an important part of the celebrity brand or something, but that this is his way of experiencing it right. and he's not that interested or he like got in a fight with his wife could be i mean he wasn't i'm telling you he wasn't talking to anybody he wasn't even looking up or around he wasn't talking to his teammates richard jefferson was having the time of his fucking life <laughs> dancing you know tristan thompson was having a great time oh, yeah um certain people were interacting and then when people went to take photos of them from a distance one of the bodyguards would hold up what i could only describe as like an airport searchlight powerful <laughs> level 
fucking strobe light and then point it directly at the person who was taking the picture and basically make it impossible for them to take a picture. Wow. That's sick. And it would strobe. It was like a strobing. It was really not that fun to look at. That's crazy. Guys, if you're thinking about starting a podcast, fill in the blanks here. If I were in a concert right now and I said, if you're thinking about starting a podcast, I'd then turn the microphone to all of you sitting in the stadium and you would all yell, anchor, anchor. And then you'd say, go to anchor.fm to download the software where you could host your very own podcast, see all the best analytics. You could see it in a way that was really user-friendly and nice and not too technical and industry jargony. It's a way that any person can look at it and be like, ooh, that's pretty. And also it's our podcast. And there's no minimum listenership required to advertise and monetize. So you can immediately have ads when you hit the ground running. It's really exciting, really spectacular. If you want to start your very own podcast, anchor.fm, download it now. Have you have you ever wondered or worried like do I have a problem so with alcohol? It, it, I, that was the first thought that I had was that you were wondering that and you were like asking your therapist about myself. You're like you just to make sure. Honestly, I was I <laughs> I was asking about other people, other friends of mine. Right. Ha- coming off these bachelor parties and stuff, I am probably the worst drinker, like the lo- the, the least consuming person. Mm-hmm. I drink the least and I'm like am I just a nerd am i a square and they're all normal or should i be worried about any of these people right and i i have friends who and there's these telltale signs for people like that like you said like the the having to drink to work thing i have friends who like are in a really really bad mood until they start drinking in every capacity Mm. i've seen them have to start projects they need to drink to do that that's not a good sign um also they like them wanting you to like get to their level of debauchery yeah. as some kind of like reinforcement to them that they're fine or something. Mm-hmm. But that's bad too. Like, come on, come on. Nah, nah. And you're like, sucks. fucking chill. Yeah. You know, it's like really crazy. This is a crazy story and this is like kind of sad, but I, I did this like horror movie years ago and the what guy, you played the clown. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I play this killer clown. It's terrifying. Never came out. It's supposed to come out. We'll, we'll see. Um, anyway, the guy who was the producer was my dad's student, really nice kid, whatever. And there was a couple nights where we partied a little and he was just taking it too far. Mm. And I was like, that's, is that normal? Can you have any examples you can share with us or not really? Okay. So, so he's doing a little bit of fucking cocaine, like sure. we talked about. And he starts to do just like a lot. <laughs> And I'm like, have I seen somebody do this much? And I'm like thinking about it. I'm like, I really? guess I have. He's like, you won't be weirded out if I start doing it. I'm like, no, no, it's fine. And he just starts doing a lot. I'm like, huh. And then I did this like Lil Young Big event and he came and he was so fucked up. And I was like, is that, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then he kind of would go dark for a couple of days. I'm like, oh, whatever. Dude, the day before I'm supposed to go to North Carolina to shoot this movie, night shoots, and it's a single camera shoot because it's like a found footage movie. Where you're like, we did, we found this footage. Yeah. So I'm alone in the woods for like periods of time before I have to like pop out, you know? It's like Blair Witch Project. Yes, that's yeah. exactly what it is. The day before the shoot, he they find him dead in his apartment. Oh my God. Yeah. And can you imagine how, I mean, fucking poor guy, you know? Like, I'm not trying to act like this is about me, but like everybody on the set was like, oh my God. And now we're just doing night shoots for, it was dark, dude. That's fucked did, up. But like, did did other people know that he had? Was it? Well, first of all, did he die from an overdose? Yeah, or something? yes. It appears from some kind of combination of something. They found him in his apartment, water running. Dude, really sad. He was a really oh, nice guy, God. and it just goes to show. And so, so when we got down there, every time I had like one on one time with people because we were staying in a house, everyone would tell me their story, where yeah. they're like, "Wow!" In retrospect. Well, right. It's one of those things where it's like if we had all come together and shared this when he was alive, we might have realized that the body of work was was quite exactly. So, we so need to talk to him about it. My point being, and this is you know to everybody listening, if you kind of think your friends maybe have a problem, they probably do, and it's like worth it to to like do something because yeah. I feel bad. Sort of me and this guy weren't like close enough that I felt like it was my place to be stepping in and doing something about it but like if you think your friends are fucked up like you know it's worth saying something or maybe talking to your other friends and be like is he have a problem like because you might get one day it might be too late i okay. don't know you know yes but here's what makes it hard right among among many things the first is people you went to college with 
people, we, we, we partied so hard in college. Yeah. You know, by, by the standards of like what your general practitioner would recommend that you drink in a week, you were drinking that like most a, nights. Right, a month's worth. Like I drank 16 beers last night. I had 16 Bud Lights playing Civil War. It's crazy. At beer pong. Or like, I yeah, God knows. I, I didn't count. And <laughs> right, so so if that's your starting point, right? The expectation, I think, is that you will taper off as you get older. Right. Which most people do. Yes. And so, and yet, even when you're 23, 24, 25, drinking the way that you did in college is still not cause for concern. Right. So, at what point do you say, huh? This guy is not slowing down and it's bothering me. And that, and it's at that point. It's literally at that point. It's like, that is a little bit unusual. A little bit unusual is ultimately enough to make it a big enough problem. Yeah, but, but that something needs to be done. But here's the thing, right? Like, I don't know anybody who parties harder now than they did when they were in college. I don't know anybody who was like going hard in college and now has added crazy drugs to their to their repertoire but so, it's not that linear and also if they are doing harder drugs like maybe they're doing it secretly or something you know what i mean like maybe mm-hmm. they know and they're kind of like it's the type of thing where people who, who are like that like you said they function so it's kind of hard to pinpoint it because they're hiding something too yeah you know god it's tough it's I, tough it's man, tough, man. It, I, I i do know somebody um who i think is is heading in a bad way, way mm. heading in a bad direction. But I'm not that close to him, and I don't see him very often. And it's where even to bring it up to some of the other people I know who see him more often, like who work with him, mm-hmm. who I'm friends with, if I brought it up to them, it would be weird. It, like yeah. I don't, I don't know if they, I, know. I don't know if they're aware of it. I know. I, I don't know. know if they think it's weird. Totally. Um, and that's the thing. And that, that that's the problem is that it just is fucking, it's a weird thing to like have to do. And it's just like, and that's why people don't do it a lot of the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, myself included, but hmm. you know, so just take care of your friends. Well, <laughs> I, I like, I like what you did where you took a couple months off from drinking. I think that's a really good exercise. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. Having said that, I really do like, I've grown very fond of a beer at the end of the day. Dude. Drinking's great. Good, a good <laughs> beer, oh, in a cold, it. frosted glass. That's great. From God. the freezer after you've finished a day of work and then worked out, showered, you go upstairs, you open that beer, you pour it in the frosted glass. Oh my God, it's great. There's that's so good. It is really good, dude. I also like a nice cold beer with like sushi. With like an omakase mm, or something. Okay. If you're like sitting okay. down for talk dirty to me. Yeah, okay. yeah, baby. Yeah. Um, dude, totally though. It's like really refreshing. <laughs> I I mean, dude, I love drinking. Um we'll see. Hopefully I can keep a healthy relationship with it. Julia, we love telling stories on our podcast. We sure do. Don't we? we Wouldn't you say that do. that's a cornerstone of something that we do? Here? I would say that that has become something that we do. It's yes. pretty cool to get paid to tell stories. I can't believe that. I can't believe we've been able to monetize story time. <laughs> that's great. But I have something cool to share with our listeners that I think they will like. Um, this month, I'm actually judging a story writing contest via a platform called Vocal. Okay? It should be a lot of fun because I get to read other people's crazy stories, like the the ones our listeners send via email, DM, everything. And one lucky winner will win a cash prize as high as $5,000. Wow, dude. Um, Vocal is a storytelling platform for creators. I'm judging what's called the No Regrets Challenge. It allows you to share embarrassing situations without judgment, all while giving entrants the chance to win cash prizes as high as five grand. Simply sharing the best uh, or or worst or forgettable experience, you can walk away with big time money. I'll be reading your entries, all bad decisions, the aftermath, the path to redemption, things in between, and judging the winners. Uh, we might even share some of these on the podcast. Sick. Yeah. Um, G, in order to be eligible to enter the No Regrets Challenge, you must have a Vocal Plus membership, which grants access to Vocal Plus exclusive challenges 
along with increased monetization opportunities, premium creation tools and features, and additional perks on the platform. You can sign up for Vocal at vocal.media and then use the promo code OOPS99 at checkout to get your first month of membership for 99 cents. Guys, sign up for this and write, send your stories in. Five in. grand. That's real. I'm judging. Okay? Uh, no regrets. Stories must be between 600 and 5,000 words and adhere to Vocal's community guidelines. Only stories published on Vocal and entered into the contest up until April 27th, 2021 at midnight will be entered for consideration. So guys, again, Vocal Plus membership, uh, vocal.media, use promo code OOPS99 to get your first month of membership for 99 cents. Do it. Dope. Did I tell you that I got a, I got this private gig in, in wine country in November? And, uh, you, um, you mentioned it, yeah. And... I just spoke to one of the organizers yesterday and I didn't realize this, but the it's a birthday party and it is Burning Man themed. Oh, so people are going to be like wearing Mad Max attire? Maybe, but they're also going to be on hard drugs. <laughs> watching me perform comedy. I don't know how that's going to go. Dude, I have you ever done anything like that where you like get flown out to do a private gig? I've done it before. Um, and I've never been flown. No, the first, the first real private I did was uh, where I met you. Oh the yeah, night that that you that Ricky was opening for yes. me. Um, which by the way is a funny thing to say because he's such a better comedian than I am. <laughs> um, but yeah, that at at Chelsea Piers, it was like a corporate yeah. dinner or private event. Francis rode in on a city bike and changed our lives forever. That's right. It was the first time <laughs> I met Julia. I was like, "Who's this handsome fella?" Francis was doing Just, this like weird gig for your ex girlfriend's dad's company. Oh my company. god, dude, that's right. It was. I had gotten the gig at a time when I was dating this girl. Her dad had like a friend in business who was looking for uh, entertainment for his corporate retreat dinner or something. And by the way, initially, that gig was supposed to be on like Sanibel Island in Florida wow. at like the Ritz. Sick. And they were going to pay me $10,000, pay for my airfare and for my room at the Ritz for the weekend. Oh my God. And I was just going to do one set on a Saturday night. Dude, and I could bring an opener. That's unbelievable. As a private gig, right? It's fat fire. So they like give me this. I break the girl and I break up a, a few months later. They then tell me they're not doing the Sanibel Island thing. And instead, they're doing just a dinner in uh, Chelsea, Chelsea, New York. Piers. Chelsea Piers. Big step down. And they go from <laughs> 10 grand to 2,000. Um, and I found out during the gig, you guys had already left. Like the guy who ran the company who had hired me introduced me by telling the story of how I had been hired because I was dating his friend's daughter. And then I was initially supposed to go to this thing. And then they like demoted me because the, the Sanibel Island thing still happened. Oh, my God. And and he said he didn't feel right, like bringing me down there, given that we had broken up. But then he felt too bad to take the gig away from me completely. Oh so he gave God. me this watered down Dude. JV version of the work. Jesus, that sucks ass. Her little parting gift to you. savagery, bro. Isn't that wild? But the gig went okay because I remember it being a little weird, but it was one of those things where you kind of, it seemed like you just had to kind of like talk to the people at That's the it. tables you mostly. Just had to do, I walked up and down the tables and got to know people and roasted them and people liked that. And it was, yeah, it that's was what fine. you got to do. I've done a couple weird ones. I did a, a wedding shower where like half of the, did I, have I talked about this? Half of the room were like Jewish moms and half of the room were like Cuban moms. And like, there's no way that I was like going to be able to connect with everybody at the same time. Yeah, yeah. So I started just being like, Oh, you're the grandmother. Oh, you look like the daughter. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> the old go to tell the older women, they look young. You just, you're just being nice to them. <laughs> not even doing comedy. <laughs> Dude. Another time I did a show at Caroline's. It was like a, you know, a showcase show. There's like six, seven comics on it. One of the people in the audience 
asked for my phone number. And then they texted me, they're like, hey, would you want to perform at my husband's 50th birthday party in California? And it was like weird. I was like, I don't know. And my parents are like, they're going to murder you. I was like, mom and dad, you need to stop saying that that's what's going to happen because it never happens. Every time I do anything, <laughs> you're going to get murdered. No, I'm not. Um, but I went and did it. It was weird, but it was fine and fun. And dude, like those private gigs, people kind of like shit on them because they can be bad, mm -hmm. but they end up being really memorable Yeah, because they're just so fucking weird. I, I'm excited for the one in November it's gonna be um, sick, dude. because yeah, they it just, first of all, it's a place I've never been. I've never been to Napa. It's gorgeous. So I'm going to bring Sierra out. Awesome. And you know, we'll, we'll fold in some wine tasting around and it. And that's a smart move too, dude, because it sounds like there's going to be a lot of people rolling and like all these women trying to touch you. Like it's definitely a good move to bring. Oh God. To bring the old ball and chain with you to that one. Yeah. Stay out of trouble. The old <laughs> reminder. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes i'm with you uh no but you know fuck yeah i i will say that i have once before brought my girlfriend on the road with me for a gig and it did not go well but it was like a headlining weekend tell, tell me about um it. in chicago i was playing the laugh factory and uh you know Sierra has never really jumped at the at the bit to accompany me to Rochester, New York, or Bridgeport, Connecticut, or you know, fucking wherever you know, smaller markets. Some of these just really towns that have been crushed by the opioid crisis, whatever it is, um, <laughs> mill towns, you know, that you've I've played like post-industrial, yeah, Worcester, Mass, mm. and places like that. Um, nothing, nothing shit on those places, just not a great place to, to bring your girlfriend for the weekend um but playing chicago you know i'd sold out the whole the, the shows in advance and so i sprung for a room at the four seasons Sick. uh and then we had this plan to like have a great weekend together and and it was a city that we were excited to, to go to um it's a great town yeah it was amazing and friday night went great so i only had two i had two shows friday night and then I had some spots lined up on Saturday. But I was headlining Friday night, two shows. Those had sold out. And then Saturday, I had planned to do like two or three spots. But on Saturday morning, after the great night of comedy, I threw out a tweet saying like, hey, it was the Cubs home opener that day. Cool. And it was like April 5th. And I threw out a, a tweet being like, does anyone have any tickets to the Cubs game that they don't need for today? I'll, I'll buy them from you. And I got like four or five DMs from people being like, you can just have them. I'm not going. And someone wow. gave us tickets and they were like eight rows behind home plate what? along the third what? baseline. Dude, sensational. In Wrigley Field? That seat. has to be some of the most expensive in all of baseball. Dude, it was. If not the. Incredible. Incredible. Sick, dude. And it was unseasonably warm for early April in Chicago. Beautiful day. Home ball. They had won the World Series the year before. Oh my god! So this in dramatic like, fashion. Yeah, this is like you know. That was like the best World Wrigley, Series ever. Literally, the coolest ballpark I've ever been to. Um, and we just had the time of our life. And not awesome. to mention, you know, Chicago is a big barstool town. This was the height of my barstool popularity. So like, in between every inning, people were coming up to me, being like, "Yo, can I get a pick? Can I get a pick?" And That's crazy. It was just really fun, super fun, very flattering. After the game, we went out in Wrigleyville, Wrigley, Wrigleyville uh, to the rooftop bars, which are phenomenal, Amazing. phenomenal time, having a great time, getting super tuned up. And then I remember like I have three spots at three different comedy clubs on like local shows. Mm. And I'm like, ah, oh, fuck. Okay, I need to stop drinking. And I ended up kind of like texting two of the shows being like, uh, you know, I don't I don't think I can make it or I, I got out of them because mm -hmm. I'd gotten too drunk and did one spot and was probably too drunk to be performing. And I never performed drunk. Mm -hmm. And then I felt like um, instead of focusing on it being a full work weekend of comedy, I had turned it into like a date day with my girlfriend. What's wrong with that? You did your sold out shows. Who gives a fuck about the spots, bro? You know, you did it right. I think I have this, um, I have this insecurity about like, cause you lost control or something. It's Is that just what it feels a, like? a manifestation of thinking that a relationship will get in the way of my career. Right. It's something right, right, a lot right. of guys feel. 
And rather than take stock and ownership of my own choices throughout the day, by the way, my girlfriend would never have been like, don't do the spots or. Right. No, of course. You know, whatever. I I looked for a scapegoat and, right. you know, we ended up having kind of a fight over it. And uh, and then the next day was Sunday. We were supposed to fly home and a winter blizzard <laughs> happened out of nowhere, grounded all of the flights out of Chicago. Chicago. We had to stay another day. And uh, it would ended up being like kind of putting a damper on on the end of a, of what was otherwise a really started great strong, man. And um, so from that was when I decided, you know, I don't know that bringing a, 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 a my girlfriend on the road with me is a good idea because I I felt like I needed the space to really right be on my own and get in the right headspace. To be it. honest, dude, I feel like a one-nighter situation in general is the time you bring your girlfriend, mm. but the fact that you made it into two nights of shows and I I understand. Yeah. I understand how like But dude, yeah, it's this is it's fun, man. These like stories of the road are like dude, one of the weird the weirdest show situations that I've ever done. And I've told you about this before. I've never talked about it on the pod. Um I was reading a magazine about like foreign affairs. And I see this article pop up about like this comedy group in Africa, in Rwanda. Mm. And I was like, that's like, they just seemed random. I'm like, of course, like they have that there. But like, right. also I haven't heard the word Rwanda without, you know, since the genocide right. or the movie about the genocide Hotel with, with Don yeah. Cheadle, you know? So I'm like, how interesting. So dude, I literally, and this is what's so cool about fucking social media and shit. I literally messaged the guys on Facebook. And I'm like, hey, dude, I was like, if you guys doing shows, like I would come, I would fly myself out there to do them. Wow. And they were like, whoa, they're like, what's up, bro? Like literally like, we're going to do a comedy festival. Um, You should come. And I fucking went and I did it. And it was so cool, dude. Like the show was a little rough. Like I would say I bombed. <laughs> yeah. I did one show in this like arena. And were there a lot of people there? Yeah. It wasn't like full, full, but there was a lot of people. And like, I kind of started strong doing like jokes about my experience there. That's what you got to do, man. But then when I got into my stuff, like it just didn't go that well. Like I wasn't yeah. doing like there's people. And I think the expectations were high. There were like press conferences. There was all this stuff. There was a lot of like hoopla. Um, and it was really cool. But dude, like the thing that was so funny about it, my friends like, oh my God, be careful, dude. And when I got to Africa and I was hanging out with these comedians in Africa, I swear to God, I was doing the same exact shit that I do with my friends here that's smoking joints playing ps3 or ps4 whatever playing fifa ordering burritos on seamless taking huh. ubers to places and going on tinder dates bro i went on two tinder dates in africa that's wild yeah man and because it's so far away um it's far as fuck away um had to connect in like amsterdam or something or belgium hmm. um and dude i i i had never talked about this because i was trying to like do a tv show with the guys over there and it kind of like combination of covid and stuff like the production company i was working with was like we're not sending crews to africa mm -hmm. like i don't know so i like shot a bunch of stuff i'm probably i'm probably gonna put it out online in the next i don't know month or so good i've um, seen some of it i you've love seen it some of it it's cool hopefully it's really cool and hopefully you guys will check it out um but dude like that's the beauty of what we do like you never know when the next like really unique experiences around the corner yeah for me and i think that your wine gig will be will be like that and hopefully yeah. we have many more, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you hear people talking about private gigs going poorly. And usually it's comedians who are already so big that, you know, obviously a private gig is not going to go as well for them as selling out a theater does. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Of course. Um, it's just weird. It's like, but if, if you're okay with not crushing the way you normally do, it's not the end of the world. Right. You can have a memorable experience. Oh, that's comedy, baby. That's comedy, baby. Dude, I saw that you guys are really finishing up, furnishing the roof. I got to mm -hmm. say, it's looking good. You're going to have some killer parties. I can't wait to fucking come over and crash those parties. Wear my Sunday's best. My motherfucking bird dog That's pants. it, my dude. <laughs> that's it, dude. Give me the star of the party. Everyone's going to be like, hey, Julia, what the fuck are those pants you're wearing dude what a great daytime pantalone dude that's right you senior pants over here senior pants just come over rocking the nice khaki look fresh silk lining keeping you nice and cool that's it it's a w over here our longtime partner bird dogs go get yourself a pair go get a pair right now and if you use promo code oops 
hats, one word, at birddogs.com. You will get a dad hat, a very cool dad hat. Dad hats are in. Camo dad hat from Bird Dogs with your first purchase. That is birddogs.com, code oops hats, one word. Do it today. Get that. Before we finish, I want to ask you a question. Okay. And I've been thinking a lot about this. I actually need advice on this, mm. and I'm curious to hear your perspective. Okay. So, bro, my dad is nosy as fuck about my finances. Mm. Um, and it comes from a good place. Like, he wants to know that I'm doing well. And, you know, so I've obviously have that commercial running, and he constantly asks me if I got my, res- if I'm getting my residual checks. And then he'll literally, in like a very stereotypical way, be like, how much? Like, he'll say, how much? Mm-hmm. And he's just like all up in my shit. And like, I want to tell him about it, I guess, but I'm also like, like mind your own business. Like, mm-hmm. do I have the right to feel that way? Like, how do you handle this stuff with your family? Are they nosy? Like, does he have the right to be asking? Should I be telling him? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think it's important to realize that your dad might be asking that question because finding out how much money you're getting paid makes him proud. Right. Or happy. Totally. You know what I mean? At at this point in our lives, our income is a measure of our success. Whereas before, you know, however you were doing in tennis was was where he placed his pride or or your grades. Mm -hmm. Whereas as, as adults now... Right. It's like my son got a promotion at work or he's doing he's self-sufficient. this. What you know, people ask them, What what does your son do? Mm-hmm. He's a comedian. Oh, would I know him from anything? Actually, he just did a great commercial for right. you know, the general. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. Maybe I've seen it. Like mm-hmm. that's that's and, and then he would love to be like, Yeah, he's making really good money from it. Right. But I I tell him that. I'm like, I'm doing I'm making him a lot of money for like I'm making money from this stuff. Like it's pretty good. And then he starts like trying to get really specific. I think I think another part of that too is your dad is a first generation immigrant, right? Sure, yes. And works in a world of academia where, mm-hmm. you know, he can't wrap his head around how you got paid to play a character in a commercial for car insurance. And not only that, but how much you get paid. Right. And for and for how little time it takes and how silly it is. Yeah, it's so out of left field compared to the way that he makes his money. Right. It's so off the reservation. <laughs> I mean, think about this, dude. We made decisions to be comedians coming from families where their 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 path to income was a lot more traditional. Right. Right. You right. work years, decades. To kind of slowly put away some money into your 401k or buy you buy your first house, you pay it down, you know, all these right. things like car payments, like just just the the, the more normal American thing. And now we've moved into this time where like wealth is accumulated in the blink of an eye. Like bad our girl Bad Bobby. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Her only million fans. dollars on OnlyFans Ten the seconds. day she turned 18. <laughs> Um, or, or GameStop or, you know, Tesla, like whatever it is. Uh, Bitcoin. Yeah. And, um, I think for, for people of our parents' generation, it's, it's just um, maybe amusing, enthralling, uh, shocking to find out that, you know, we, we got paid what we did to do a commercial or to, to go up on stage and tell jokes for an hour. Right. Just very different. Yeah, you're right. You're right. That's bro. my. That would be my guess. I don't think he. You know, you say no. So sh- but should I be telling him? I would. Okay. I would tell my dad, but also because I'm sure that I mean I know how the, the scale works. Like I'm sure what you're making from that commercial is a lot of money, mm-hmm. and it's something that would make him proud of you. Yeah, and it's something you should be proud of. Yeah, no, I am. Um. At the same time. You know, I can understand wanting to have privacy in your finances. Mm. A lot of people feel that too. Yeah. You know, it's just kind of like. Do you have a pretty open dialogue with your parents about your, about your money? In the past when they were sort of like more, like there was this fear of every corner of them having to like help me out, mm-hmm. which I understand. Not, I don't think it's like a fear fear, but like when they were more sort of directly involved in my finances at some at any given point you know i always was sort of like supporting myself 
But like, if I got into a jam, like, of course I'd have to call my dad and be like, dad, like that terrible phone call. Yeah. We you ask your parents for money or whatever. Um, but in general, yeah, like fairly, there's a fairly open dialogue. Um, but as I become more and more independent, I sort of am like, do I, is this like weird that we're having this conversation still or not? Or like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Okay. So here's another question. Have you spoken to your parents about, uh, being a recipient of their of their estate no i know that they have a will i don't know the details i don't know how substantial that would be you know i don't think like there's no like generational wealth in our family like my dad certainly does pretty well for himself but i don't i've never been like i've never been like oh the will or like it's not really a big topic yeah what about you um yeah, you know, I, I I think people have a have a sense of of my family situation. My it was an interesting life for me, <laughs> in that, you know, we didn't. I never, I never in a million years thought that I would have money coming to me from my parents mm-hmm. until I was twenty six years old. You had no idea. No, it it wasn't. You know, it it, it might have been like I don't know, maybe maybe, maybe like fifty thousand dollars that they would I, I, upon I, upon them their assets, their house, whatever, like would right, have been right. dro- given to my sister and me. So, but my question is, did something change? Yeah, or yeah, was yeah. It, so, okay. so, 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 when I was twenty six, my whole life, my dad's company was like not doing well. Interesting. He, dude, he he made less than I do now. Crazy. Until he was like fifty four. Wow. But we lived in Maine, yeah. and we made it work. My mom had a job, and like you know, we we lived a good life. I'm not like I'm not yeah, saying totally. I grew up poor or anything like that, but you know, m- like my sister and I split a beat to shit Volvo as our high school car. Right, right. Like you're just a normal high school kid. Yeah, I had jobs every summer, and and again, I'm not playing like I grew up blue collar. But what what was weird was that when I was 26. You know, I guess when I was 23 or 24, my dad's company started doing really well. And then when I was 26 or 27, he sold it for a life-changing amount of money. What, that, a, what an awesome fucking, that's awesome. It, and it immediately put us in a completely different tier. That's crazy. Of wealth. That's but, crazy. But it's funny. It's awesome. Because number one, they have not adjusted to it that well. <laughs> and do you know where I see it the most? Oh, wow. They're sponges. <laughs> People with wealth who have not had their wealth that long have terrible sponges. They <laughs> they let sponges go way past their expiration date. They're, you pick Did it up to smell? wash a dish and it fucking crumbles uh, and it's that rotting, wet sponge, sponge smell, smell in your hand. It looks you like you can't get off like a dying piece of coral. <laughs> Whereas wealthy people who know they're wealthy, every time you look at their sponge, you're like, that's a day one sponge right there. You cracked that's that funny. today. Every sponge in a wealthy person's house <laughs> is fucking brand new. Yeah, I think we've had this conversation amongst us, but like just because there is money doesn't necessarily mean you're good at using Dude, it. Some people are good at being rich and some, people, some people are not. And my parents are like uh, growing into it, but, Every everything they buy, every decision they make <laughs> is like a, a conversation. Right. There's you're, no impulse. You're like, guys, this. hello. We don't have to do this anymore. Yeah. And 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 I appreciate it because it means that they're just not. They're not like Humble. getting. They're not. Their feet aren't getting ahead of themselves. They're not like just spending. You know, like like lunatics. Right. And they very much intend to leave money to my sister and me. Right. But um, you know, I'm also very grateful that this reality didn't happen until I was 26 at a point in my life where I had already established work ethic and financial savvy and... And the ability to like have things feel special. Yeah, my goals and dreams were formed independent of the influence of a safety net. Yes. And therefore... You're a well-adjusted, lovely guy. Huh? Having huh? having the safety net that I do has not caused me to take my foot off the gas. Yeah, at all. Whereas, you know, I, I live a much nicer lifestyle than I would if I like were just completely reliant on 
you know, my own income and needing to save money and put things away and all of that. Absolutely. Bless your heart. But like, dude, you know, I, um, I, I still am so fucking driven. And I think that also is a relief to my parents. Right. I'm sure. Because I have friends. I have, I have some friends from, from Harvard who grew up their whole lives having everything knowing from from the day that they became aware you know their fourth birthday fifth birthday whatever it was that like almost no job they ever had was going to move the needle compared to what they stood to inherit yes and that must be such a incredible demotivator (laughs) what's the point what's the point the shadow is so great that you will never step out of it totally the shadow that your parents have cast in terms of of, of what they've accomplished, yes. what your father has accomplished, what he's made, you know, you, you and you probably know the check marks of like a lot of people, they unlock tears of their trust fund when they get married right. or when they have kids right. for the first time. And it's like, okay, yeah, I could bust my ass at this job and climb the ranks over the course of years. Or I could just bust a nut. I could get married <laughs> and then I'm going to unlock a hundred million dollars. Right. Like I have friends like that. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. It's like, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll marry anybody, you yeah. know, to get the world's biggest promotion. But that is also crazy, too. Like, and, and same, like, I have a couple friends who are in, like, kind of, I guess, similar situation. I don't know the exact specifics, but, like, they have to think, they're like, my parents need to approve of who I marry. Because if they don't, then I won't get what I'm supposed to get. Yeah. That's fucked up. <laughs> like, totally, know, totally. To have the, that being held over it your head. Like a you can't live your decision. own life. Yeah. Fuck that shit, dude. By the way, this is funny. I feel like this would be a perfect moment for, oh, Francis, I've always believed in you, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Don't give up, man. Stick with it, bro. Like, you're the fucking man, dude. This is why we're boys. (laughs) You know know what's weird, though, dude, is I get uncomfortable talking about money. I do. It's an uncomfortable thing to talk about. And I was always brought up because I knew wealthy people when I was young mm-hmm. that you're not supposed to ask people about wealth mm-hmm. and you're not supposed to pry. It's just like manners. And it's sort of a taboo subject. Yeah. Um, but to your point, I like asking my friends what they make because right now I have a lot of friends who in in the last year or two have hit some pretty crazy like accelerators of, of their wealth. Right. Uh, and have really like multiplied what they've made. The earning years, baby. And, and I'm I'm proud of them. Yeah. I get excited for them. That's good. Man. And it's not as if I'm asking them to tell me what they made this year so that then we can put out the expectation that they're going to pick up the dinner tab. That's right, not right, it. Right, right, right. You know? And I think people kind of worry about that. They're like, if people know how much I make, then they're going to expect me to do this or they're going to ask me for stuff. Yeah. I think people think that. I'm not just going to fold into your posse right, right. and sell your t-shirts, right. you know, and be your hype man. Like, don't worry, dude. We're yeah. still doing our own thing here. Yes. Um, I don't know, though. It, it, it Money is a, is a very stressful thing, it, you know, and it stresses me out all the time. <laughs> all the time. I, it, I'll tell you something, dude. Like, uh... I don't know. I don't know at what point I would have enough money that it didn't stress me out anymore. Mm. I've, I, yeah, I was thinking about this with some friends, and it's funny you hear people's number. Like my friend was like, "How much money would you need where you don't where you're like fine?" And I'll say some number, and they're like, "Are you sure that's it?" And then they start like being like, "You know, if you got a house, they start like yeah. running me through why my answers wrong." I'm like, dude, shut up. Everyone's wrong, by the way. Yeah. When and, they say that, because the moment they got there, they'd, they'd want more. Exactly. And that's an important thing. It, a lot of the time, it's about the individual. Like a friend of mine was saying, he's like, dude, like my dad, his kid's dad has a lot of money. He's like, my, I see how much money my dad is, has, and I see that he's still stressed out about stupid shit. And maybe if he had X number, he wouldn't be anymore. And mm-hmm. I was like, dude, no, that's just how your dad is. Mm-hmm. Like that's just, some people are just like that. Yeah. And sometimes those sort of like, weird quirks or what drive people to make these crazy amounts of money mm-hmm. you know what i mean or maybe like i don't know and maybe it's a personality thing i don't know but i like to think that i don't need that much to be happy we'll yeah see. one thing that i struggle with with knowing that i stand to inherit money once my parents die is the guilt of of even acknowledging that 
the passing of my parents will result in me making money. Yeah, that's because to think about. I don't want to associate the death of my parents with any kind of like positive thing. positive thing whatsoever. And God forbid, I certainly don't want to be like rooting for my parents to die because I need money. Of course not. Which is a horrific thought, and I don't feel that way. And I find myself struggling with this um, to, to, to be aware at all, which is why I think it's great that like you don't know what your parents' will holds. I don't know. Um, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Right. I don't want to know uh, what what it'll be, and um, I feel sick with guilt over even Any recognizing the truth that totally. once they die, you know, yeah, Dude, I'll totally. make a lot of money. Totally, that's a, that's a fair thought. Well, interesting. To be continued. Uh, yes. Thank you all so much for joining us on Oops the Podcast. Um, we appreciate you for listening to us. Throw us a review or a a like on uh, our our iTunes uh, review stuff. Send us any thoughts you have to oopsthepodcast at gmail.com. Follow our Instagram, follow our YouTube, and um, we will see you soon. Thanks, guys.